You're listening to Weight Loss for Life Coaches, Episode 69, with Master Certified Life and Weight Loss Coach, Paige Bowman. Welcome to Weight Loss for Life Coaches, the weekly podcast for coaches who are growing their coaching business and on their weight loss journey. Each week, we'll be tackling why weight loss feels hard and how to make hitting your weight loss goal the simplest thing you do all day. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're diving deep into the role that desire plays in your life and what to do about it to make your weight loss journey that much simpler and full of ease. This is kind of a part two of episode 20, Desire Life More Than Food. So definitely go listen to that episode first. It's not quite a part two because today we're really just gonna not just, this is going to be a good episode, but we're going to dive into desire and understanding desire more. And I was thinking about how, you know, one thing that I hear a lot from coaches that come to work with me is that they should be able to do this on their own, or they should have everything they need. Like, why can't they figure this out with them being a coach, for example. And it got me thinking about how I, for my clients, do the deep work and studying and researching and just thinking about the topics that make weight loss simpler and easier for them. And it's like what my business coach does, where she does the deep work, the deep studying, the deep, gets the deep knowledge on selling, sales, copy, marketing, all the things that go along with owning a business and growing your business. And when I think about it like that, I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't have all the knowledge that she has that makes it easier for her to simply and clearly explain something to me. And I think it's the same with weight loss. If you're not a weight loss coach, or even if you are, I've had clients who are weight loss coaches, just because you're a coach doesn't mean you are someone who should know how to lose weight because maybe you don't have expertise in this area. And that's, it's similar to when your clients come to you, it's because you have expertise in whether it's marriage and dating or dating after divorce or how to help your kiddos who have ADD or ADHD or all the kinds of different areas that you can coach on. Your clients come to you because you have expertise in that area. And so just because you're a coach, I just want to give this to you, let you have this thought. Here's your permission slip to say, just because I'm a coach doesn't mean I should know how to do this. And when I did the research on desire for this episode, I really thought, yeah, that's what's so fun about what I get to do is become an expert in all these things that matter for weight loss. So my clients don't have to. So then they just get to do the simple actions it takes or or learn the overall beliefs without being an expert in desire. So there's a side note on letting me be the expert, especially if you're my client, or letting whoever you follow and learn from be the expert. And you just take everything that they've learned and how they've packaged it, packaged it up to be super simple for you. And you just take that unless you personally want to become an expert in things like desire then go ahead. But it got me thinking about how this this episode is for you so that you don't have to 
go become an expert in desire and how that plays a role in weight loss. And you just get to hear me talk about it and learn. And then at the end, I'll share with you what to do about it moving forward. So there you go. I love thinking about the different aspects that are involved when it comes to weight loss. And desire has always been one of those that come top of mind. I've been saying the tagline desire life more than food for years now. I mean, probably since 2020. So it's been a couple of years and I love helping my clients dig deep below the surface when it comes to weight loss, right? We don't just change food. It's really actually not about the food and finding the aspects that it is about that once we understand and get a hold of and start making changes from those deeper aspects, then weight loss really does get to be permanent, right? Because you're changing the foundations and desire is one of those foundational aspects. So it's important to understand desire to have a simple weight loss journey. And we're going to talk about why, because number one, it's a foundational part of being a human and You know, you'll hear about this as we go into the episode, but it is a foundational part of being human. It's a part of surviving. So understanding desire as a human is helpful, but as someone who maybe over desires things like food and under desires other things, understanding this aspect of you as a human, I think is going to be really helpful. And then at the end, like I said, I'm going to give you things to do moving forward to help you take everything you learn in this episode and go make your weight loss journey that much simpler. And then maintenance gets to be simple too, right? Okay, so I have broken up what I believe are the most important things to understand about desire and make it easily understood as someone who's not an expert, right? I wanna give this to you from someone who's been studying it to someone who's not an expert, but to make it easy to understand and So I'm going to break it down into four parts. The first part is what I call innate. The second part is focus. The third is process. And the fourth is judge and experiencer. This is all going to be really interesting, you all. (laughs) You are going to walk away feeling like (laughs) you know so much more about what it is to be human with desire after this podcast. You're going to love it, especially if you like to nerd out on things like I do. <laughs> if you don't, then just listen in because I'm going to make it super simple for you. But <laughs> it's interesting even to like listen to this part of the podcast because I'm also purposely increasing your desire to learn about desire. We're going to get meta with desire on this episode. So have, enjoy that <laughs> as we talk about it. Okay. So the first part I call innate and desire is innate in two ways. So as I already said, it's part of being a human. So if you think about the hunters and gatherers as we were back in the days, I mean, we still kind of are, right? (laughs) Whether you go to work or you stay home and take care of the house or you do both, it's part of our survival to desire things because desire is what gets us up and out of the house or back then out of the cave to go hunt and gather, right? We needed this biological super unconscious biological system that had us get out of bed, leave the safety of the cave to go get food, to go get, you know, wood for fire. And now it's to go to your job or to take care of your kids. 
So desire and being someone who desires things is innate. And we can also take a look at depression, right? One of the things that we know about people who have clinical depression is they lack the desire. And we also know that things like chemicals, i.e. medications, can help with someone who has clinical depression to increase the desire, i.e. the dopamine, the serotonin, all of those kinds of chemicals. So that just adds to how it's a part of being a human. It's a part of your chemistry in your body to desire things. And I talked to a client this week about this. And one thing that I think is a pitfall, especially if you're a coach and you're you're super motivated and you love to be accomplished and productive and all those amazing things that we coaches, especially if you're an entrepreneur, is to watch out for making a part of your worth or your identity as being someone that is super motivated, right? Has high desire for those things because it's just a part of being human. So if you have low desire or low motivation, this is a forewarning to not, or just warning, I guess, to not make that mean anything about you and your identity. Just know that everyone's brain works differently. So Knowing that desire is innate and it nothing has nothing to do with your worth, I think is something that's a good reminder, especially for those of us who tend to be type A go-getters and we make that a part of who we are. So if, for example, you get sick or, you know, you go through a time of, say you do have um, some times of low energy, almost like um, depressive states, where you don't, you aren't as productive, right? Because you don't have as much desire. Watching for when you make that mean something about you, I think is is going to be really key. And I think will be helpful for some to hear, right? Because again, it's part of who you are as a human, not part of who you are and your worth. And on that same note, if you think about desiring food, right? As part of survival, right? <laughs> we need to eat to survive. So of course it makes sense to have part of what we desire is food, again, not attaching or making it mean if you have an over-desire for food, mean anything about you. Because, right, just like what we were just saying, it's not a part of who you are. It's not your identity. It's just that's how the brain works. And I think this is super beneficial to know and understand about desire is, oh, if I have the kind of brain that puts over desire towards food. It's not because I'm undisciplined or I don't have willpower. There's something wrong with me. It's like, oh no, I'm just a human (laughs) with a brain that does that. Right. And so that's just something to consider when you think about your understanding of desire and how it's innate. It really like your desire really means nothing about you. Okay. The other part of innate is The things that we desire are a part of who we've become up until this point of our lives. So the things you've been taught, the values that you've prioritized, the kinds of things you think and feel, like all of the things that make you up who you are and how you express those things, you can kind of look at your life and see, oh, this is what I desire. So here's an example. If you grew up in a highly motivated sports kind of family, (laughs) 
I don't know why I worded it like that, but just a sports kind of environment where your parents were basketball players and football players and so were your aunt and uncles and you were raised to play sports and now you're 35 years old and you're in a couple of what are they called when it's not professional amateur sporting leagues and and you spend a lot of time working out so you can get better and training and practicing just because you love it, we could look at your life and see that, okay, that's something that you have high desire for, but not just because that's who you are, but maybe it's also because that's where you grew up. That was the environment you grew up in. So the way I like to think about it is if I take a look at my life and look at where I spend my time and energy and money, I can see what my desires are and I say, okay, good to know. And we'll talk about what to do about that moving forward, but it's just good to know that my desires are innate. It's a collection of who I've become up until this point, and I can make changes to it moving forward, but just knowing that what I desire is just because of how I grew up, what I was taught, right? Something I've talked about on my journey is I was taught to desire food. I mean, it was a big part of growing up and in my family and just like, that being a big experience. I think most of us probably have that, but just knowing that for me personally, that is where that came from, then I could decide what I wanted to do about that moving forward. And using the sports analogy, I also grew up in a family that liked to watch sports, but not play them. And it's pretty easy to see that in my life. I love to watch sports, uh, especially football, and but I don't play sports and never really have. So this is, it's good to know. That's what I love to say, right? Desires innate, both in it's a part of being human and what I do with my time, energy, and money right now is just a collection of who I've become up until this point. And that's good data that we can use moving forward. Okay, part two of understanding desire. See, isn't this so fun, you all? <laughs> I researched desire for a while and really sat on it and let it percolate, read a couple articles and I'm bringing you everything from all that thinking right to you to this episode and <laughs> making it really easy for you to understand so that you would feel desire <laughs> to listen instead of having to do all the research yourself. So, okay, part two is focus. So this goes two ways, and this is really interesting to read about. There is the most obvious because of what we just learned that when you desire something, you focus on it right? Because that's how we survived. I, my brain taught me to like literally biologically had me go find food and fuel and warmth and all the things we need to survive. Once I desired them, I focused on it, right? Okay. But also, this is so interesting, focusing on something you desire increases your desire for it. What? That is good news, y'all. Not only do you naturally have desires, right, for food, and we're going to talk about that. You naturally desire food, so you focus on it, but, or and, focusing on something that you desire, even if it's a low-level desire at first, will increase your desire for it. So think about this. You want to lose weight in a simple way, right, in a way that's maintainable and doable. So you listen to this podcast and you hear about certain beliefs and some tools that I teach, and you're like, yeah, I think this is a good idea. But desire for doing it that way is still kind of low, which is fine. 
Because now you know, if I focus on this and I say, I actually really want to study these kind of beliefs that weight loss can be simple, that weight loss can be doable, or anything else I teach throughout the entire podcast. And if I focus on the tools, like the three super simple steps, then I will actually increase my desire for that thing. This is key knowledge, y'all, right? It's, it's taking what is working for you already, desire gets me into action, and then making it that much more useful for the overall thing you want, right? Weight loss. You might have high desire to be at your weight loss goal, but you may have low desire for the simple way of getting there, which requires changing your mindset and feeling your feelings. And now you know you can increase your desire for those things. And I'll tell you in the past, I had high desire for dieting because in the world I grew up in, dieting was the way. But what I found was I didn't like how it felt. I realized it wasn't maintainable. So my desire for that decreased, right? It's like, okay, this isn't working. And when I found how to stop emotionally eating and I learned about the mindset aspect of it, I purposely put my focus on that and I increased my desire for it. So I was doing this and you probably have, if you looked back, you can see how that's true. If you focus on something, you increase your desire for it. But it's good to see that that works, right? Go find evidence for if you focus on something, your desire increases for that thing. But think about this. Think about using this and what's already biologically true that we have desire as humans and go make it work for you. I got really excited when I read this part. I was like, I cannot wait to share this. It's going to be so good. (laughs) Okay, part three, I call process. And this was pretty interesting. I read an article about the difference between hedonism, hedonism, whichever way, and desire theory. So there were two different theories. And one talked about hedonism, which is this idea that having something that you want, just having it makes you happy. And then there's this argument for desire theory, which says that it's not just about having something, it's about the journey. It's about the process to getting the thing, right? So the difference they were saying is it's not just about having the thing that increases your overall fulfillment. That will just give you a minor bit of happiness. But when you go through the journey of achieving and accomplishing something, that brings you joy and fulfillment throughout. And if you think about your own life, especially if you're a coach who's building your business, think about this. You have this business goal, whether it's to make 50K, 100K, 500K, a million. You have this goal, this desire to accomplish the goal and you're going on the journey and there's highs and there's lows, right? It's still 50-50 and you get there, you make your goal, you hit 200K, you hit 50K, whatever it is. And then what do you do right after? You set another goal, right? So it's that, okay, it's proving true that it's not just about having the thing, which is what the hedonism theory suggests, that it's about the process and being in the journey of solving the problem you're wanting to solve 
it's obvious when we do that and then we want to solve another problem. And you can make this yours. You can make this work for you, right? So if you think about, yes, you want to get to the goal. And I love that for you. Want that goal. Go for it. I'm here for it. I love having weight loss goals. I love having goals in general. But if you know that once you get it, you won't stay happy or you won't stay content because that's not how biologically your brain works, then you might as well enjoy the process and stop putting off feeling the joy and pride and accomplishment for when you get to the goal because you know what's going to happen. You're going to feel happiness and then you're going to habituate to the happiness. You're going to habituate to the thing, right? Hitting your goal. And then you're going to be like, well, (laughs) this isn't as exciting as I thought it would be. Happens every time, you all. So if you go ahead and start enjoying the process now and letting yourself feel desire in the process and stop worrying or stop thinking that you'll be happy once you get there, then you get to have some joy now. This is it, y'all, is feeling so much joy And setting up small goals and small objectives to hit and feel that accomplishment and then keep going because it's all about the process. I don't say all about literally, but it's about the process. So for sure, go check out, there's an episode of the podcast, I'll put it in the notes where I talk about setting long-term and short-term goals and I talk about why, but this will make even more sense now. If you think about, okay, if I set short-term goals throughout the process, whether it's to lose five pounds at a time, which is, there's an episode about that, right? Five pound increments, or it's to, you know, allow 80% of my urges. Setting short-term goals lets you enjoy the process and having that accomplishment in the moment and then have more processes to enjoy and create as you get to your goal. And I think just the last thing, just knowing who I'm talking to, you amazing life coaches, you, is I think we already know this to be true. If you think about the joy you experience when you coach your clients and the process, it's not just about what they create at the end that makes you love coaching so much, right? Otherwise, you'd probably just sell a product and not just coach the heck out of your clients. You love the process of being able to see what they're they're thinking and help them see what they're thinking and help them solving problems, right? You, of course, want to help them create the result, whether it's a better marriage or easier time raising their kids or getting that job they want. But you also love the process. I know that to be true. So this is just another example of seeing it in your life where that's already true and then transferring that belief to weight loss. Okay, the last section I'm calling judge and the experiencer. And this was super interesting to study about. So there's two parts of you. There is the experiencer of the moment. And then there is the judge. And the article I read was talking about a retrospective judge, right? You look back on the moment. But I would add, you either judge looking back or looking forward. My husband likes to say that I would rather plan a vacation. then be on one. I don't know if that's true, but I really enjoy planning (laughs) as the judge looking forward, assuming I'm going to have a great time. It just feels good in the moment to think that. So there's two parts of you and it's similar to if you think about the three super simple steps, you've got the you who plans, 
plans your realistic food plan for the day. And then you've got the you who honors your plan or does it, right? So you've got the planner and the honorer of your food plan. So similarly, there's the judge of the moment and the experiencer in the moment. And I think this is super important because I brought this up in in a past episode, but I talked about, are you loving your life in the moment? And are you loving your life when you look back and you look forward? So when you think about this in the context of desire, there is the desire you can get from being in the moment, right? Going to Disney World and really just loving every moment you're there as one does. (laughs) And you can feel desire as you look back and think about how amazing that was and loving the trip and thinking about doing it again. And like me, you can feel desire in planning for the trip and thinking about how amazing it's going to be, which of course motivates you to get into action to plan the trip. I think this one is so important and, and I got really excited when I read about it is because, you know, the idea of desiring your life more than food, I think is so important because of the idea that desire is an important part of being a human. And if you are not putting your desire towards things on purpose and you're really getting a lot of your joy and fulfillment and desire from food, then changing your food when it comes time to do so will feel hard. But if you go out and purposely set up a life that you love and desire to be in, both as the judge and the experiencer, then doing the work it takes to lose weight will be a lot easier because you'll feel desire and you won't be taking that away when you go and change food or you don't eat because you're no longer hungry or because you're full (laughs) or you don't eat because you're not hungry yet or you allow an urge. It'll be so much easier to do those things and to think differently about food When you're doing the work of desiring your life and setting up your life in a way that feels fulfilling and meaningful outside of food. And bonus, you can do so by being in the moment of whatever it is you're doing or looking back or looking forward. So doubling down on the joy of the experience by looking back or looking forward, right? Really setting up that desire to accomplish something both in the moment of the process and the way it's going to feel when you get there as the judge in the future. So this is another one I really want you to think about using for you. I have this gratitude journal that I use every day. I just started in March. And interestingly enough, that's a long word, I find it really easy to fill out because I built the habit of doing my food journal every day. And now I just do it right after that. So that's fun. But I fill out this gratitude journal every day and it, it's the same same things, ask you the same things every single day and there's a morning version and an evening version. And it'll ask you what would make today great, what are you grateful for, and then a positive affirmation. And then the evening part says what made t- today great or something like that. And it's so, it takes 60 seconds, maybe two minutes, but it's so fulfilling to look back and think about what did I love about today? And I'm being, so I'm being the retrospective judge 
And feeling that joy and that fulfillment in that moment is so, I mean, it's small, you all, but it makes such a difference. And then I look back, I did that yesterday. I was looking back at what I wrote at the beginning of the journal and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. So it's setting myself up to remember the things that I love about my life and making it so easy to to look back at those times. So when you think about this idea of desiring life more than food, now you can take it a step further, desire life in the moment and as you look back or look forward as well. Okay, so those are the four parts to understanding desire. See, it wasn't that bad, you all. I really just made a lot of other people's words and my own experiences. And I just, I brought it down to make it super simple for you so that you don't have to be the expert, right? Remember that. I want you to remember what what I said at the beginning. Just because you're a coach doesn't mean that you should be an expert at this and know how to lose weight yourself. Sometimes it's nice to let someone else be the expert and all you have to do is listen in. Okay, so let's talk about taking what we just learned and using it to fulfill your desire in a way that'll last long term and that doesn't have to do with food, right? Changing what you put your desire towards, really living that tagline of mine, desiring life more than food. So I've got three things on my list to share with you. Are you ready? The first, and if you're a coach listening to this, then I know you know probably what I'm going to say. Mindfulness, awareness. You got to pay attention to what your desires are now. You got to look at, take a look at what you are doing with your life, what you're putting your energy and your effort and your money, money towards. And you ready? You got to be comfortable with yourself and your own thoughts to be able to do this. This is important. I talk about a lot of this kind of stuff in Embracing Boredom, the episode on the podcast, I think that's what it's called, Embrace Boredom, where I talk about being willing to be with your own brain, right? We know this. We know this as coaches. We know this for our clients. Mindfulness is so important. Being able to pay attention to your brain is so important. And now I want you to direct that here. Pay attention to what your desires are now, like what it looks like actually in your life and what you're desiring, what you're wanting to focus on, but you're not letting yourself. There is an episode from the Life Coach School that really explains this so well. I don't exactly remember the title, but I will link it in the show notes. And Brooke Casillo, um, she is the host of that podcast. She talks about this idea that desiring things is dangerous. Really having a desire because there's, oh, there's a lot to it. <laughs> we've already talked, we've already delved into Delved? Dove? Dived? (laughs) Anyway, we've already talked about desire and really explained it enough, but it can feel dangerous to desire things and put your desire towards things. So I want you to go listen to the episode. It's a really good one. But being able to listen to your thoughts and be with your own brain and pay attention to what your life looks like now and what your desires are that you're not putting time, money, or energy towards it can feel dangerous. It can feel dis- or uncomfortable, but that's okay, right? Because you signed up to do this kind of work. You decided you wanted to lose weight in a maintainable way. That means doing the deeper work, and that's what this is. So the first step is to be mindful. Where do you put your energy towards right now? Where do you put your time? Where do you put your money? What does it tell you about your current desires? And then 
take some time, go on a walk, or just grab a blank piece of paper and sit by by a window, stare out into nature, and just listen for what am I desiring now that I'm not putting energy towards, and just jot down some notes. No judgment, right? And it doesn't even mean you have to enact any of them, but this will be a great exercise to start uncovering the things that you're desiring now that you want to continue desiring, to take a look at things that you're desiring now that you don't want to be, and then things that you're not yet desiring or putting your energy towards that you want to. Okay, the second thing is to know your values, right? Take This is another one, just takes a couple of minutes. Don't have to go too deep into this because you probably know them. What are they? What are the top, top five most important, I would say categories, values. When I think of values, I think about family and friends, number one religion, my faith, God, number two, my health, whether it's, you know, inside or outside. (laughs) That sounds weird, but like my inner health and outer health, my mental health, number three, and these aren't in priority order, but number three, uh, feeling intrigued is a top priority for me as well, like, or a value that one goes in my top five list, feeling intrigued about life, about what I'm doing, Etc. That's important to me. That's one I have found over the last six or seven months. And well, I don't know what the fifth one is, but you get it. That's just knowing the categories is enough because when you look at your desire list, you can just take a look at how does this match up, right? This is, listen, whether you have a weight loss goal or not, this is a great way to spend 30 minutes of your time is to take a look at your current desires and your values and see if they match up. And this leads us into number three. Start making a plan to add more of the things you want to desire into your life, okay? And this is, we're gonna get meta for a second. Are you ready? I want you to desire making these changes in your life. I want you thinking, I want to make these changes. I want to add these things into my life. So that, right, and this is like the caveat, especially if weight loss is your goal, so that I can desire life, so that I am a person who desires life more than food. And a caveat for this third step is take it slow. Take it one at a time. If you all have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, I took all of last year to practice eating more vegetables. And I added a little bit more. I mean, I wanted to become someone who took vitamins, really doing some up level on taking care of my inners, (laughs) the inner part of my health. So eating way more vegetables, better fats, right? Just up leveling a little bit of the way I eat, my current diet as in what I eat. And I started washing my face more (laughs) and taking vitamins and probiotics. And I gave myself the entire year to make those changes. Now, that's not necessarily a desire thing, but it's an example of making a plan and giving yourself enough time to really make it a long-term natural way of doing things. This year, also, I am now working on my outers. <laughs> I don't know why I'm calling it that, but my I'm my goal is to be someone who naturally works out multiple times a week. This has always been something I do, but then I stopped for a while and that's fine. And now I want to get back into it. 
and I want to do it differently this time. Whereas in the past, exercising was always tied to weight loss. And now I've hit my goal, easily maintained it for, gosh, a year and a half now is where we're at, I think. And now I want to add exercise back in a way that's maintainable for the rest of my life. I want to be someone who always moves their body and thinking about it as something that is for my body, not for losing weight. I'm giving myself the year to work on that. So when you think about what you want to start adding in as things that you want to desire according to your values, give yourself space because you're making this change for the long term. Okay. And an example of this could be, I'll give you another one of mine that's directly related to this. So I realize I have high desire for being connected to friends and family, but you couldn't see that necessarily from the way I live my life. I do visit family as often as I can because I don't live near my family and I will hang out with friends every once in a while, but I still felt like I wasn't living according to that value slash desire. So I did what we talked about earlier and I focused on the desire of being connected to my friends and family. And then I made a plan to enact that, to have that desire more prevalent in my life. So I do this thing now where every Sunday evening I have zero things planned and I am open to my friends and family to call me or for me to call them. And it is so It has made such a difference. It's so wild. I'm pretty introverted. So during the week when I'm coaching all my clients, I give them a lot of my outgoingness, not outgoing, that's not, but, (laughs) you know, talking to people, (laughs) being an extrovert, but in the best way, because I love my clients and I love coaching. So then I take a little bit of a break on Friday and Saturday. I don't have um, much talking to people going on. And then Sunday, I look forward to it and I get to talk to, you know, whoever I talk to that day, that evening, and it feels so good and it brings me so much joy and it's so in alignment with my values and with my desire. I wanted to spend more time with friends and family and I made it work and I put it into place and it's been going on now for a couple months and it is working so well. And so this is an example of being mindful, knowing your values, and then starting to make a plan to input those things that you desire into your life. And with that example, it really gives me desire all week long or joy, fulfillment, whatever word you want to use there all week long, because I know I had such an amazing conversation with a friend or a family member, and I'm going to again next week. And it fits in with the way I like to have my life set up or my week set up. And there, it's, it's that much less desire that I need from food. If you really get down to it, I knew food to bring me joy that much less because I've set up my life in a way where I get that much more desire from being connected, feeling connected to my friends and family. That you all is how you put it all together. So do those th- three things to enact the things that you've learned today. And here's the bottom line up front, all right? It is helpful to have a better understanding about your desires because one, you will always have this as being part of a human. Now having this knowledge will help you be better at directing what's already true 
about you as a human. And now you can direct it towards not just biologically being a human, but what you want to do with your life according to your values, right? So living a more aligned life. And the second thing is, and we didn't really talk about it this much in this episode, but you're always going to have a desire for food because it's part of surviving as a human. And if that's always true, then knowing how to direct your brain, excuse me, direct your desire from having it not be an over amount for food, right? Just wanting food enough because it's fuel and you got to have it and putting way more desire elsewhere will be helpful because you're always going to need food. You're always going to have desire for food. So knowing how to direct your desire and knowing it's possible, one, and knowing how to means that for the rest of your life, you can lower your desire for food and put it elsewhere And so that you don't have this over desire for food for the rest of your life, right? Really think about that. If you're in your 30s or 40s and you do this work now, which is what I've been doing for the last few years, having a lower desire for food really makes my life, my human experience on a daily basis that much more peaceful and at ease and calm because I don't have this over desire for food because I've been doing the work of redirecting it to desiring my life more. All right, that was desire unfolded, dove into. (laughs) And then now it's time for you to go enact it. So go take those three steps, go put them on your calendar, get them done. And also send me a message or an email. Let me know how it's going. You can message me at lifecoachpageb on Instagram or send me an email at hello at pagebomb.com and let me know how it's going with enacting all the things that you've learned about desire. All right, y'all know what to do. Share this podcast with someone that you know would benefit so much from it. And and I just got to say, you all do do that. You tell me, and I'm so grateful. And I think it's, it's the best way you can support me as I put this podcast out there for you is sharing it and also leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for that. And lastly, if you want help losing weight in a way where we do this kind of deep foundational work, right? You're done dieting and you're done doing it on your own. Then reach out to me. Let's get on a console call and talk about working together. You can do that by going to pagewoman.com slash services and click book your console call or send me a message on Instagram, y'all. Either way, totally fine. All right. Well, I will see you next time. This was amazing. This may be a new favorite of my podcast. (laughs) I always say that, but it's true. All right. You have a great week and I will see you next time. Bye.